The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. All right, well, my name is Winston Dumas. I grew up in an environment where good was bad and smart was dumb. And I had really good parents um, that taught me right from wrong. But the issues I had growing up is that when I was following these really great instruction, I would get made fun of. It slowly led to me making decisions that was totally out of character and deep down I knew was wrong. Uh, I was blessed with the opportunity to play football and um, I was blessed with an opportunity to receive a full-ride scholarship to Mississippi Valley State University. The problem was, again, I was trying to seek approval of others that I shouldn't have. I just kind of went down this, like, this bad trail of, like, bad decisions, just, like, morally bankrupt, basically. And I made decisions that led to me getting expelled from the university. Like, And I went from being a starting athlete to working at a grocery store as a bagger for a whole year. So I was thinking that, you know, my opportunity was done. I was never going to college again. And then I just randomly get this call from an old coach. Uh, and then the wild thing was, it was a Christian college. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I ended up graduating from the university and I got blessed with an opportunity to play for the Coventry Jets in uh, Coventry United, uh, United Kingdom. We end up making it to the championship, first time that our team ever made it. As we celebrated, I drunk way too much. I drunk to the point that I blacked out. Due to the, my decisions, I played like terrible in that game. But uh, we ended up losing and, and kind of like depression kind of sunk in. So next year I was like, I'm gonna try harder. And I end up tearing my ACL in both sides of my meniscus on my left knee. My career was done. It, the reality sunk in. And again, whereas football was used to fill that hole in my heart, it was gone, so I felt empty. And it's just like this deep depression, like I remember staying in my room and not leaving. I just didn't care anymore. I didn't feel anymore. The biggest thing that gave me pleasure and it made me feel whole was gone. You know, throughout life, you're gonna face all kinds of obstacles. What is the greatest obstacle that you are facing in life right now? What is the greatest obstacle that you have to hurdle over in your marriage, in your thought life, in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your friendships? What's the greatest hurdle that you gotta get over? It's an obstacle getting in the way of our city flourishing, of our nation coming together in unity. What are the greatest obstacles? What is the greatest obstacle getting in the way? I wanna offer you that maybe The greatest obstacle you're facing is about the height and the size of a towel. And if you and I can get over this towel, we can transform our marriage, heal a neighborhood, restore a city, see a nation transform. In my home, we have two sets of towels in the kitchen. Uh, The one set is the obvious one that all of you have, right? It's for like your dishes and your hands. 
And then when a towel gets really kind of used up in that way, most of you just throw it in the wash, we, it graduates to the refrigerator, it gets hung on the, the, the freezer part of the refrigerator, and that's used to clean up all the spills in our house. Because we have like a lot of them, I mean, we make a lot of messes, and, and so we figure, you know, if you're constantly pulling paper towels, and so it's just right there, just kind of throwing on the floor and wipe it up. And, and I don't know why this is so hard, but I've regularly walked in the kitchen, got my socks on, and just, oh, my socks are all wet. Come on, who, who spilled water and didn't even, that's not water. What is, oh, come on, man, who, who let him run around with his diaper off, right? Like, it's, it's like one of those, like we, we got spaghetti sauce and grapes and blueberry, like whatever, it's just all over the place. And I have found almost the impossible thing that nobody knows who made the mess. Therefore, nobody feels responsible to clean up the mess. And so the mess just stays. And, and, you know, we have the added dimension of dirty diapers. And so I get it. Somebody changes a diaper, and, uh, and then they just toss it near the trash can. So then it just sits there, and it's gross. I get it, but nobody wants to pick up the dirty diaper. And so, you know, what do you do? So like for me, I have kind of like, I play it out in my mind. It's more of like a calculation. This mess is gonna get worse. And so it's better to preemptively clean it up now than have a much worse mess later. And so I, I'll reach out quickly for the towel and I'll throw it on the floor and I'll clean up the mess or I'll, I'll grab a grape before it gets squashed and spread because that just makes life harder. But my, my reasoning is not because I wanna grab a towel, it's because I don't want things to get worse. It's very preemptive, it's, it's, I do it while grumbling. But I have found that if I ask my kids, hey, can one of you grab the towel and clean up the mess? Well, I, I didn't make the mess, I didn't do it. I, I don't care who did it, I need somebody to clean it up. Greatest obstacle in our life so no one wants to reach for the towel. In our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our nation. Nobody wants to get down on one knee and wipe up the mess. And so what keeps us, what keeps us from cleaning up the mess is because we feel entitled. I, I deserve, we feel like we have a right to be served. They should be serving me. I don't have to serve them. And so we become a little bit narcissistic, self-absorbed. We're quick to find fault in others, but not in ourselves. So then we have a hard time submitting to authority and respecting those in leadership over us. And what I just described is really something called selfishness and pride. See, every symptom has a sickness, as we've learned over this past year. And every fruit is connected to a root. And the fruit that you see in all these areas of your life that keep you from the towel is rooted in selfishness and pride. Now, there's something interesting about selfishness and pride. It's something that you can see through the window but it's nearly impossible to see in the mirror. You can right now think of people in your life that are selfish. You, there's someone you know who has pride in their life and it's getting in their way. It's an obstacle in their life. But what is really clear to see through the window is nearly impossible to see in the mirror. 
There's a few areas of our life like this. Greed is one of those. You can see it in the window, but you can't see it in the mirror. And pride is very similar. It's, it, you, you don't recognize when you're being selfish. You don't recognize when you're, when you're proud and that pride is getting in your way. It's an obstacle. But it, it shows itself in symptoms. Symptoms where it's hard to grab the towel. Now, if you're starting to feel bad about yourself because, you know, your first instinct was to squeeze your spouse's hand and be like, he's talking to you right now. Come on. I, I know that's how all of us are because you can see it in the window. Probably the God who loves you is squeezing at your heart right now. Because even if you can't see it, the Holy Spirit can see it in you. And that's how we recognize it, is God kind of prompts it in our heart. And so, that, at the very least, I can comfort you with this, this uh, encouragement. You're not the only one, and people that were closest to Jesus struggled with the same thing. In fact, um, Jesus hit this topic regularly. Uh, last week, I talked about the way of the child, and the way Jesus introduced the child was he said, you know, uh, you want to know what greatness looks like? And he brings a child close to him. And we talked about the way of the child that uncomplicates an overcomplicated life. And later, as Jesus is approaching his last days, he has a conversation and he uses an illustration to teach them about how to make, find a way through the obstacle of pride. And um, it, it's recorded in, and I'm gonna kind of bring you to two different passages, one in Luke and one in John, because both of them write about this moment. And so as we're going through this series, we're looking at the way of Jesus, which is a radically different way. And these, these friends, these dozen friends of Jesus, they spent three years with him learning the way of Jesus, but they didn't quite get it. And this one lesson was the key that was most getting in their way of the way of Jesus. And so um, it's recorded by the author Luke, who I, I like referencing Luke because, you know, Luke was an outsider like how you feel. He, he was an outsider like us. If you don't always feel like you fit in, you don't always feel like you got Christianity figured out, maybe you're the one doubter in the room, good. You're, you're going to connect really well with Luke because Luke, you know, he's this Greek pagan who meets a bunch of Christians and is so captivated by them, by the way they live, that he, he's interested in the person of Jesus. He never met Jesus, but he wants to get to know Jesus, and so he begins to interview people who knew Jesus and were eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. And Luke writes out an account of his investigation, what he learned about the life of Jesus. And that book, the book of Luke, or the gospel of Luke, is recorded in the Bible, so we have access to it. Luke was a physician, he was an academic, who studies the life of Jesus and then shows us the way of Jesus. And so we're gonna jump into Luke chapter 22, where Jesus and his friends are on their way to celebrating a Passover meal. So let's jump in. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So on their way to celebrating a meal together, they're having an argument, a discussion about who is the greatest. And this is, I, I know how this plays out because this is what's going on in my house. Who should pick up the diaper? Well, either whoever's diaper it is should pick it up. Well, that's going to be tough. Who 
whoever changed the diaper should pick it up. Well, hey, I changed the diaper. I shouldn't have to pick it up off the floor too. And, and so we get into this argument like, who, who deserves to pick up the diaper? Who's the least? And so then we argue about who's the greatest. And what Jesus does in this moment, he's listening. They're having this argument. They think that he doesn't hear what's going on. But what Jesus does is Jesus flipped the focus of greatness. He turned greatness upside down. He flipped the how we focus on greatness. Let, let, me, let me jump in and illustrate to you uh, or, or show it to you the way John explained it. John chapter 13, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, put all things into his hands, right? So, so Jesus, he is the greatest. That, that's what John is getting at. He has everything. Everything on heaven and earth is his. He has all power. He has all authority. Every bank account is his. I mean, if you think you're rich, he's way richer. It's all in his hands. And that he had come from God. So he knows where he's from. This isn't about insecurity and self-doubt. And, you know, I don't know who I am. I don't, you know, somebody who doesn't think a lot about themselves might think that they're less than others. Maybe you've allowed insecurity and self-doubt to kind of creep in, and that's what makes you feel less than others. Or maybe you know where you're from, and that makes you feel like you're better than others. Jesus knows that he came from heaven, and he was on his way to heaven. He's going to heaven, which means he knows his future. He knows that he belongs in heaven. He knows that he is God. He came from heaven, from God, and he's going back to heaven. Sometimes when we don't know where we're going, we start to feel insecurity. We get filled with doubt. We start to feel like we're less than others, and we let others push us around. Jesus wasn't insecure. This wasn't an identity issue. This wasn't some lack of confidence in who he was or where he was going. Knowing that he had everything under his control, knowing he was from God, knowing he's going back to God, he rose from the supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And at that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. In ancient Israel, you know, you wore sandals and you walked on the same roads that the ox, the oxen and the horses and the donkeys and the mules walked. And so, you know, they stop in the middle of the path and they make their mess and you got to keep walking. And so that stuff gets all over your feet. And so anytime you go into a home, most of the time there was a servant there who would wash all of the guests' feet. And if there was no servant, it became the role of the youngest child who was able. So in, in every home, there was a pecking order. And if you were the youngest, your job was to wipe the mess off of everyone else's feet. And so at the door, there was a basin and a stool and a towel. And, and the youngest would go in, they would grab the towel, they would grab the water, they would begin to wash the siblings' feet, they would begin to wash the family's feet, they begin to wash the guest's feet. And so they were arguing on the way about who is the greatest, and so when they come in the door, no one would say that they're the least. No one would say that they're the servant. No one would say that they're the youngest. And so they all walk in, and because they're all posturing, there becomes this obstacle that's getting in the way of relationship, and it's getting in the way 
of what God wants to do in their lives, and it's about the size of a towel. Because none of them would grab the towel, the job went undone. Now, who is the greatest in the room? Obviously, Jesus. God himself is in the room. And so, to teach them and to show them a new way, Jesus puts the towel around his waist. He grabs the basin. He literally gets up in the middle of the meal. And he begins to kneel down, and you can kind of, you can kind of imagine it, can't you? You can kind of see Jesus kneeling down, and he begins, to, he begins to dip it in the water, and begins to wash their feet, and he's teaching them. This is the obstacle right here. This is the obstacle in your marriage. This is the obstacle in your relationship. This is the obstacle in your workplace. This is the obstacle in our city that no one, because everyone's trying to figure out who is the greatest. Everyone's trying to posture themselves above someone else. No one is willing to take a knee and take a towel and begin to wash others' feet. So the filth in our life remains. The stench stays. The way out of living for yourself is the way of the servant. Not because you feel like you don't deserve to be served, not because you don't think you're worth anything, but because like Jesus, you take the heart and the posture of a servant. The way out of living for yourself is the way of the servant. And the way out of pride is the way of the towel. Right here. This is the way out of pride. You, you want to you overcome the obstacle of pride and selfishness in your marriage? The towel. You want to overcome the way of pride in your workplace where everyone's posturing to get ahead and get noticed and get known and get a promotion? The way of the towel. You want to know what will transform our nation? It's not, it's not reformation in the halls of Congress, but in the streets of our own communities where individuals like you and me take a knee and pick up the towel. You know what keeps us from the towel? It's not just the root of pride. Interestingly, pride is rooted in something deeper, a spiritual sickness. A spiritual sickness called sin, where we turn away from God and we live life the way we want to. And the moment you turn from God, it sabotages your life. And it sets you up and I up for failure and ruin. It sets us on a life course of destruction. And it aims us toward a forever far from God, separated from all that is good, sin, this devastating seed that grows deep roots into every aspect of our life, a seed that spreads roots of pride and selfishness that produce this, the fruit of ruined marriages and broken homes and destroyed workplaces and devastated finances and they create health and mental health and emotional health crises in every one of us. But God, what we celebrate is the way of Jesus, that God stepped down from heaven where he rules as king and became a servant. 
And he showed us a new way by taking a knee and washing his followers' feet. But let me, let me share with you that even what he did in that room was really a picture. It was a metaphor. It was an illustration. Because what he was going to do next was even a greater washing. Because he was going to lay aside his life. He, the, the basin that he was going to dip the towel in was going to be the basin filled with his blood. When Jesus died, he hung on a cross. Beaten, tortured, cruelly mistreated, and the blood is pouring out of him. And as he dies, he says, it's finished. I've done it all. I have, I have done everything necessary to wash you. Here is your shower. Here is your cleansing. If you've ever felt dirty from life, if the, way of the, if the way of the road has ever made you stink and feel gross and feel guilty and feel full of shame, I've made a way for you to get clean. See, his death was our washing. When you believe in Jesus by faith, here's what you're believing, that Jesus, God among men, died on a cross for us. He died to give us new life and forever life. When he died, the blood that he shed became our washing. Here's how Luke records it, that Jesus, um, after he washes their feet, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you, right? That's the point. The way of the towel is the way of Jesus' broken body. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he continues in the same way. After the supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. That, that's the water and the washing. He goes, my blood is what washes you. My, my death is what cleanses you because I died in your place to pay the penalty for your eternal death sentence. But Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he, he conquered sin. He freed us from the fear of physical death because we know that we have eternal life so that we never die. Jesus turned the good news upside down, right? Most of us, the good news is that I got a raise. I got a check in the mail. I, you know, that girl that you were hoping you could have a date with said yes, right? That's our good news. You, you got the car you've always been wishing for. Like something good happened in your life. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus was willing to die to give you life. And if right now as you're going through life, the stuff of life has clung to you. It stinks. And no one in your life has been willing to take the towel to wash it off. The truth is no one could. Only Jesus. But right now, Jesus is offering you the way of the towel. He wants to wash you, cleanse you, free you, and forgive you. He wants to give you new life and forever life. All you can do is receive his love. And if that's where you're at today, would you let us know, right? You're saying yes to Jesus, and then you're just letting us know. And if you're letting us know, text the name Jesus to 81411. When you text us, you're going to get a quick link. encourage you to fill that out, because if you fill that out, one of our pastors can follow up with you and help you as you begin this new journey through faith in Jesus Christ.
I said that the way of Jesus is an upside down good news. Why? Because what Jesus did was he showed that power lifts up the powerless. Strength cares for the weak. Greatness is flipped and looks like a servant. Those who have much leverage it to give to those without. That's the upside down good news. And so there's a, there's a new way and it changes our way into following the way of Jesus. And so I want to invite you, would you check out a little more of Winston's story? He's going to share a little about how that changed his life. Eventually I got sick. I got real sick and I remember waking up. I could barely move. It felt like negative 20 degrees. So they immediately admitted me into the hospital. I remember the nurse told me um, that basically they were waiting for me to slip into a seizure because my body temperature was so high. And um, when I was in the hospital, I just felt like God used that opportunity because I, was, I couldn't go anywhere and the only person I can talk to was him. I look back at my life and I feel like he was trying to talk to me, but I was too busy and put him on the back burner. And I felt like finally that hole that I kept trying to fill, it was finally being filled with God. And it finally put me at peace. Even through chaos, it put me through peace. And I wake up the next day to my nurse checking in on me. And she's like, oh, wow, like your degree's down. And she said, well, if it keeps going down like this, you know, we'll, we're going to release you from the, the hospital. And it slowly finally went down. And it, I really started to realize that what I was feeling with football, God can only feel that. And I finally submitted to his will in that moment. I slowly got connected to LifeHouse uh, through turntables. Spence uh, realized that I really had a passion for helping youth because I felt like I should be a mentor just like how others were mentors to me. And I really specifically wanted to go after the troubled youth that people had given up on because I felt like people didn't give up on me. So I connected with Jason and um, we started doing a lot of events in the community. We even went to New York City for Hope Day. Jason and Spence uh, came up with the idea about, you know, since I play football and I want to give back to the community, how about you start a football camp? So I started, uh, with the help of LifeHouse, started uh, Big Win Football Camp. It's a camp that's tailored to inner city families that couldn't afford the camp. So I bring people that used to play professionally and they talk to the youth and we also talk about the gospel. At the end, we do this big gospel presentation and it's just like a good feeling, like finally giving back and hoping that we can really fill you know, our hearts with you know God. He used my situations, even though they were very difficult at times, he used those situations now to where I can appeal more to troubled youth. Man. Did you guys give it up for Winston? Did you, did you see the switch? He went from kind of living for what he wanted and what he could get and what he could do to suddenly now it was about what he could give and how he could serve and how he could love others. And, and that's what you see in the life of Jesus. What he shows them is they're all caught up in themselves and unwilling to do the role, of, take on the role of a servant, unwilling to pick up the towel. And so Jesus picks up the towel to show us the way. The way through, the way over that obstacle of pride and selfishness that sabotages homes and workplaces and cities and nations. Let, let me jump in, continue with the story. 
You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am, Jesus said. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Do, do you think that what Jesus was getting at was just washing feet? Sure. He was trying to encourage them. Hey, the next time you guys are coming into a room, be the one willing to pick up the basin and the towel and wash each other's feet. But I don't want you to stop just washing feet. I want you to take on the heart of a servant and the way of the towel. I have set this example for you so that you should do as I have done for you. What did Jesus do? He laid aside his preference and began to serve. Preferring is serving. I want, to, I want to show you that when you begin to love others, when you begin to take on the way of the towel, you, you prefer them above yourself. It's not what I prefer, but what you prefer. And preferring others is serving others. You defer to what others prefer. If in your home, you begin to take on the way of the towel, you begin to prefer, how can I serve you? You begin to prefer others above yourself. It's a calculation. It's a determination. It's that mathematical formula that we all do. How much, how much are they worth compared to how much am I worth? And unfortunately, all of our insecurities do that every time we come in contact with people. We're doing a little calculation in our mind about what they're worth compared to what we're worth. But if you follow the way of Jesus, the way of the servant, the way of the towel, the way of the rag, the way of the picking up the diaper, the way of the paper towel, the way of the janitor, okay? You guys get the point? <laughs> you stop calculating whether they're worth more than you or not so that you don't have to serve and you start to regularly determine that I can prefer others above myself. It's, I've heard it said this way, it's preference deference. I am deferring to what others prefer. It's upside down. It means that, you know, in our world, you use your power <laughs> to get insider deals so that your family benefits. Jesus used his power to give everyone an insider deal of access to what his family alone had. It was the opposite of corruption, where they used power to cheat. Jesus used his power to give us access to what we would have otherwise never had access to. It's upside down. The greatest, the leader, became the servant and bowed his knee to wash the feet and wash the stench and wash the yuck off of our lives. He used and leveraged his wealth to care for the poor. It's upside down in your life. The, when you begin to prefer which means you serve others, it's upside down. You use anything and everything you have to look out for the interests of others. In your home, this will transform your life. How, how can you begin to leverage the principle of preferring is serving to bring healing in your home, in your friendships, in those broken relationships, in your finances? Do you know what every dream team member in our church is doing? It's preferring that's serving. 
How can I serve you today? And we try to borrow from Chick-fil-A a little bit. It's our pleasure, right? Like, man, if we can hold an umbrella, if we can give you a cup of coffee, isn't that great that finally coffee's back? You know, those that are online, they're missing out. But, man, it's great to have some coffee back. And, you know, anything we can do, can, can we take care of your child? It's our pleasure. Preferring is serving because we prefer you. We want you to experience God's love. And the way we know that you're going to experience God's love is when, we, when preferring is serving, which means you have a place, you have a gift, you have a role. I want to encourage you to serve first. Find your place, do your part. Preferring is serving, but don't stop there. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. The reason why he did all this is because he loved them. At the very end of the story, he washes their feet. He's teaching them. He says, a new command I give you. What's this command? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He washes their feet. He says, I'm your teacher and Lord. Okay, then you'll do what I have done. You'll wash each other's feet. <laughs> Talk about humili humility. In some ways, you might even feel like it's more than just humility. That's humiliating. Well, here's what I know. Loving is humbling. Maybe make a note of that. Pride is the enemy of love. Because pride will get you thinking about yourself. Humility gets you thinking about others. Pride will sabotage love. And Jesus' way is the way of love. His motivation for serving, love. His motivation for walking in humility, love. The way of the towel is love. It's not that you think less about yourself. It's that you think about yourself less. It's not that you don't think you're worthy. It's that you know your worth in the eyes of God and you're willing to lift up, lift up others who don't know they're worthy. The only way they'll ever know their worth is if you leverage your worth in the way of the towel to let them know that their feet are worth washing. Loving is humbling. No, religion, religion's a bunch of rules. Your attempt to earn your way to God and prove to God that you're worth saving. And everybody's trying to find the loophole in religion. Love has no loopholes. Love is a whole lot less complicated, but far more demanding. Love will ask everything of you. But my goodness, love overcomes the obstacle of pride. Love takes the knee and the towel and begins to wash each other's feet. Your home needs a little more humility, motivated by love. Your neighborhood needs a little more humility, motivated by love. Our city, a little more humility, motivated by love. Our nation, a little more humility, motivated by love. Not in the halls of Congress or in the executive office. That'd be great. But in our hearts, in the citizens of the nation, and those sitting in the seats of the church, people who choose preferring, which is serving, and loving, which is humbling, 
not consumed with myself and not looking for loopholes to get out of my obligations, but willing to wash and do my part and lift up others, taking on the posture of a servant. Right now, how can you pick up a towel for someone else in your life? Where pride has gotten in the way of you saying, I'm sorry. Pride has gotten in the way of you saying you're forgiven. Pride has gotten in the way of you doing the uncomfortable thing of serving someone else, of giving up credit when you want attention. How can you pick up the towel in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in our city streets? I promise that the moment you bend your knee, you take up the towel and you begin to wash the filth off the feet of others, our community will smell just a little bit better. It'll be just a little bit cleaner. It'll be just a little bit more holy and a little bit more whole. What's that one step, that one commitment you can make in the way of the towel? Let me pray over you. Jesus, this one's tough. I mean, none of us None of us come out because we want to hear about this really uncomfortable, demanding way of love, demanding way of the towel and the servant. Because we want to be served. We want to be noticed. We want to be greatest. But Jesus, your way is an upside down greatness that serves and gives and loves and prefers others above ourselves, and is willing to walk in a love that is humble and so, God, for everyone that's listening, God, would you give them an invitation into the way of the towel? And may that transform their homes, heal their marriages, heal broken friendships. God, I pray your blessing over every individual in this place right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.